This is the evening edition of the Daily Podcast Practice Show for Thursday, December 30th, 2021. I'm your host, Rich Grimshaw, putting the P in podcasting by practicing, practicing, and practicing some more every day. It's good to be here practicing my podcasting skills, and thank you for joining me, being here with me on my journey to achieve a lifelong goal. <laughs> To get me closer to my calling of being an A-list podcaster by practicing podcasting for for uh, one full year of daily podcasts, 365 consecutive days, one podcast episode every day for one year. What in the world was I thinking? I have no regrets. I've enjoyed this, and I'm learning a lot from it, and I'm looking forward to being just a little bit better each day for the next 50-some-odd days that I have left to do this. I'm going to wrap it up on February 19th, 2022. That's next year. According to the good folks over at the Georgia Department of Public Health, Georgia, the great state of Georgia, reported a new record number of daily COVID-19 infections, and that number is 17,900. That's up from yesterday's new record number of 13,000. 700. And the positivity rate on the tests is up from 30% to 38%. So COVID-19 continues to rage. The good news is, again, that while a number of people are getting sick and the virus is spreading, the hospitalizations and the death rates aren't nearly keeping pace. They're, they're, uh, They're related, but they're not in lockstep. It's a much smaller percentage of people going to the hospital and dying. So so that's good. And maybe the silver lining is that this new variant, Omicron, takes root and really does turn out to be um, a more mild form of it. And that gives us all some hope. I saw some data from South Africa where this Omicron variant came from. And it indicates that they have reached their peak and are now coming down and their hospitalizations and morbidity rate are still pretty low, pretty reasonable. So that gives me hope. The United States Geological Survey has reported 16 earthquakes in the lower 48 United States and and, uh, Alaska in the last 24 hours. Two of those were in that area a little west of Petrolia, California. They were small, magnitudes 2.5 and 2.9. The most powerful of all the 16 earthquakes was a magnitude 4.9, and that was 46 kilometers southwest of Karluk, Karluk, K-A-R-U-K, K-A-R-L-U-K, Alaska. And that's 29 miles for those who prefer the U.S. customary units. And Karluk is toward the eastern end of the Alaskan Peninsula, still a very remote region. So I doubt that very many people were affected by that, if any. As an item of interest, there was a magnitude 2.9 quake in Oklahoma and a magnitude 2.5 in South Carolina. Oklahoma's been really active the last decade or so because of all the fracking out there. And I think since fracking has kind of been pulled back because of the pandemic, I think their seismic activity has been reduced. I don't know that for a fact. I haven't done a study to the numbers, but that's my anecdotal evidence. According to the folks over at nationaltoday.com, today is National Bacon Day. And I don't get it. I just don't understand how bacon became a thing that we make a fuss about. I mean, it 
everybody talks about bacon this and bacon that. And I just know bacon is something that you eat with your eggs at breakfast. Or if you're going to get fancy, you put it on a hamburger. But now chocolate-covered bacon, bacon ice cream? Where did this come from? I, I don't remember how it happened. I wasn't there. I missed the class. I didn't get the memo. However you want to phrase it, I just missed it. And I think we need to get over it. So happy Bacon Day. Great for you, but uh, I'm done. I'm going to move on. Born on this day in 1937 in New York City, American country and bluegrass banjo player, fiddler, and singer-songwriter, John Hartford. He's one of my favorites. John wrote one of the most favoritest songs of all for me. That's Gentle on My Mind, which won three Grammy Awards and was listed in BMI's Top 100 Songs of the Century. That would be the last century, the 20th century. There's a YouTube video that I really, really like. It shows John playing banjo along with Glenn Campbell on guitar, and there's another guy on stage playing mandolin, and I don't know who the heck he is. But I love the video. Glenn had a big hit with this song the year after John wrote it. I think he wrote it in 66 and made a recording of it, and Glenn heard it, and made a demo copy of it and gave that to the record guys. And they said, hey, this is pretty good. Let's make a little changes here and there. And then they published it. And that was 1967. And then I, I don't know when this video happened, but it was a lot later. But anyhow, it shows Glenn on stage. John walks on. And apparently, I don't know if it was planned or not, but it's like a big surprise or whatever. And so those two guys up there are just playing this song and having a good time and it just makes me feel good. You know, I could watch it over and over and over. And sometimes I do watch it over and over and over. Two guys just up there having a great time and they're great musicians and they're playing and they're singing and they're in their element, just entertaining the heck out of people, just having fun. And gosh, I like that. The other thing I like about John is his hat. <laughs> he always wore this derby, okay? And I'm a hat guy, and I appreciate someone who wears a fine, uh, stylish head warmer, and, and he's that. He, he in his latter years, I don't, I don't know when he picked up the habit of wearing it, but he did. And so I love seeing him with that derby. It makes him look good. He looks really, really good in that derby. And one of these days, I'm going to buy a derby. I've got a, a bowler that I had for a stage production, but I don't really have a derby. And that's that's the next... Item in my hat collection is a derby. Uh, let's read now from his Wikipedia entry. All right, here we go. John spent his childhood in St. Louis. All right, so he was born in New York City, but apparently moved to St. Louis, Missouri pretty soon, where he was exposed to the influence that shaped much of his career and music, and that is the Mississippi River. I can believe it. The Mississippi, when you're standing on the banks of the Mississippi, it creates a sense of awe and wonder in you. It is a huge body of river, and it just keeps flowing silently from north to south. Not so silently in the flood times, but that's a different story. All right, from the time he got his first job on the river at age 16, he was on, around, or singing about the river, the Mississippi. His early musical influences came from the broadcasts of the Grand Ole Opry and included Earl Scruggs, nominal inventor of the three-finger bluegrass style of banjo playing. Hartford said often that the first time he heard Earl Scruggs pick the banjo, it changed his life. That's a neat statement. 
By the time he was 13, John was an accomplished old-time fiddler and banjo player by 13. And then soon after that, he picked up guitar and mandolin. He just knew a lot of instruments, a fine musician and a songwriter too, and a singer to boot. He went to college and after four years, he dropped out. I don't think he got his degree at that time, although I think he got awarded the degree later on. But he dropped out to focus on music. And he was not studying music in college, by the way. It was some kind of arts program. As Wikipedia says, he immersed himself in the local music scene, working as a disc jockey, playing in bands, and occasionally recording singles for local labels. In 1965, he moved to Nashville, Tennessee, the center of the country music industry. And in 1966, he signed with RCA Victor and produced his first album, Looks at Life, that same year. It was the next year, his second album, that Gentle On My Mind came out. And then, of course, Glenn Campbell picked it up, and it sold a ton of records. And Gentle On My Mind, the royalties from that, really gave him the freedom to pursue whatever he wanted to because he had achieved financial independence because of that. From the 1980s onward, he had non-Hodgkin lymphoma. He died of that disease at the Centennial Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee, on June 4 of 2001 at the age of 63. Happy birthday, John Hartford. You you left us way too young. You had a lot of music in you, and I hope you're still playing your music out there, and I'm looking forward to hearing it when I get to the other side. And that is all for today. We're going to wrap this up in this box from Amazon that came today. And then we'll stick a fork in it because it's done. I'm Rich Grimshaw, and you are invited to join me again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. 